We are Anthony and Danielle. We own a pet food store in Columbus, Ohio called Fangs and Fur that is focused on educating pet owners on feeding food nature intended for our pets. You can find us on Instagram at Fangs and Fur Pets or Facebook at Fangs and Fur. If you want to send in a question for Anthony to answer at the end of each episode, message us through our website at fangsfur.com. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and leave a review. This is the Fangs and Fur podcast. Yeah. So today we're just kind of diving into, to, I guess, the different the different uh, pre and probiotics that Dorbeast has and the, like the research behind it all. Um, we we're kind of starting to delve into this a little bit in the last episode, just about the wolf and how that kind of came to be. And we're also going to talk about the postbiotic effect. Hi, Julie. Well, welcome back. This is uh, our third and last series, or uh, thir- third and last episode on on gut health in our three part series. Just real quick, I just want to kind of give everyone a just a really you know three thousand foot view or whatever they say over what we've talked about in the last few podcasts. But the first episode uh, was kind of just a comprehensive overview of how the gut worked and how um, how and why it's the, the foundation of health, um, but also how it can be detrimental as far as, you know, if we don't take care of it and we get things like leaky gut and dysbiosis, and et cetera. Um, and then the last episode, the second episode, we dove into how, how do we create a healthy gut, um, why diet, feeding real living foods, um, and also why bacteria is so important, so important for our pet's health. Um, as you say, they're, they're all our friends. Um, I was actually, I was listening to, um, Dr. Ian Billinghurst on a podcast recently, and he said something that made me think of, of something that you, um, I feel like he was echoing what you say a lot. And he said, our immune system is not built to fight bacteria, but to live in harmony with our environment. And I was like, okay. That, you know, you, you say the same exact thing almost a lot, you know, like it's, yeah. it's all these pathogen bacteria are this, you know, we all want this like sterile environment, um, but that's not, that's not what we should be uh, striving for. No, um, him and I are really on the same page. We just did some stuff together, actually, that's going to be coming out soon. And um, yeah, we think, we think so much alike. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm, I'm really interested in both of you because, um, you guys like to kind of look at what mother nature has done or is doing right. And not trying to figure out a whole different apparatus. It's, um, he's kind of the same way he likes to look at like how, you know, he's, um, I don't know, kind of primitive in his, and I mean that in a good way. I mean, he, he looks back on how dogs have, have thrived for, for millennia. Um, and we were talking about the, the, the probiotic, the wolf last time It's kind of what we ended on. Uh, we didn't fully talk about it. So I hope we talk about more today. Um, but how you're just kind of like looking back and like, this is, we need to kind of go back to the beginnings and, and go from there kind of, kind of thing. The other um, thing that, that him and I have in common, um, is that neither one of us have uh, been buried by the pushback, right? He, I mean, his his book, "Give Your Dog a Bone," uh-huh. was the book that I sold. I sold that book in my clinic. Oh, in really? 1994. Yeah, and he got so much pushback from from that from that book, you know, yeah. and. Um, we we've talked about that too about just how we've been able to sort of you know get keep our feet in the ground 
you know, and not uh-huh. and not be able not be not be sort of sucked into the 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 fear mongering of the vet associations and the conventional side, yeah. but also not get sucked into the to the putting everything in a box and 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 um compartmentalizing or conventionalizing holistic medicine. Okay. Like we've, we've both stead, stayed very, very grounded in our in our our approach to ancestral, you know, our, our the ancestral or the way nature works, and looking to to nature right. to learn. Yes, like if we're going to be working with nature and things that nature provide us, we have to we have to look to her to educate us, right? Not take her and stick her in, in the conventional science box right or right. the western box yeah he's um, very like doesn't like to over i mean he's very smart but he doesn't like to overcomplicate things he likes to keep yeah. it like keep it simple you know and i think and that's i mean i remember reading that book for the first time and thinking okay so i'm not i'm not crazy like there's a veterinarian who who also you know sees it the way i see it in, in a way you know so yeah yeah he sees it different than most veterinarians too like he sees yeah. it differently than most even holistic veterinarians do. He has this this very, like you were saying, this very simplistic, um, uncomplicated, ancestral, natural approach. Yeah, right? he says he says wolves don't have spreadsheets. <laughs> that's what he said in his, his last I know. podcast. He's which so is... excited about my wolf strain. Like that's what oh, him I'm and sure. the two of us were talking about. And yeah. he's he's very excited i just wrote a an article for something that they're doing and um yeah like i said to him you know it's pretty out there what i want to write he said even better don't don't hold back yeah yeah (laughs) that's he doesn't he doesn't hold back which is what i appreciate about him we actually talked we're um we're doing a event with him tomorrow actually him and rob from gussie gut yeah yeah so okay gussie's um, gut yeah uh, yeah, that's the article I wrote for. So oh we'll really? Have to oh okay. We'll oh, I think to... yeah. Rob we'll told me about to... this. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes out, it's going to be pretty. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't want to call it avant-garde, but like a little, <laughs> pretty, it's pretty. Uh, it's interesting, and I. Yeah. It's so amazing for them to say to me, write what you want to write. Yeah. So yeah. it was awesome. Um, I can't wait for it. Yeah. When does yeah. it come out? I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to find I out. I had to have it in like a three weeks ago, I think. Okay. I'll find out tomorrow, I guess. Okay. Um, <laughs> but so, I love those two. Those two guys are going to, oh, they're yeah. like so awesome. Yeah. I've only talked to Rob on the phone. I haven't really, I've not really met him, but um, yeah, I'm excited. And I've, you know, I've always been a, a big fan of, of Dr. Ian Billingers because I read both his books when I was first getting into raw feeding and I did DIY for a, a while. Um, mm-hmm. And his view on DIY is, is, you know, like we were talking about, it's so much more simple than a lot of the other places. Um, yeah. And so it kind of, it made it not so overwhelming when I was first getting into it. Yeah. Yeah. Much more approachable. So, um, but he's big now on, on, um, well, poop, I guess is, <laughs> he's big on like, um, you know, there's, he kind of has that, that food pyramid now and he has like, you know, fecal matter or poo or those pathogenic bugs or whatever on the top of that food pyramid, um, is kind of what he's, I guess, focused on right now. 
Who, um, Robert or Dr. Billinghurst? Well, I guess both, but I guess Dr. Ian Billinghurst too, just talking about how, um, you know, dogs were, you know, it's part of their, you know, as being scavenging carnivores is part of what they eat and, and it's part of their ecosystem within them and yeah. um, how it's actually really important for the development. Um, when it is. As, as I mean, puppies. it's, it's, um, it's, it's, they eat it all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, they eat deer poop and my dog, dogs eat horse poop and donkey poop and yeah. pheasant poop. And like, I'm constantly trying to get, you know, like, you know, it's like, okay, enough. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's now. hard. Um, oh, I yeah. get it. It's good for you. But, um, anyways, but, um, I remember the uh, first time I, I took Mozzie herding when I was living in Seattle, we did some herding classes and, um, the first couple sessions I was so frustrated because all I wanted to do was eat. The sheep yeah. poop, yeah. the sheep poop. So, yeah. um, but he was talking about how like, you know, dogs, they, everyone gets frustrated, but they, they drink out of the toilet bowl, you know, they get into the trash. Like this is all part of their natural way of things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that, that they do that because they aren't, they aren't scavenging. They're not scavenging naturally. Right. Right. So in, in the forests, if they were wild, they wouldn't, I don't, I think if they, they are they're scavenging on things that are dead right like mm-hmm. things that are things that are dead they're eating they're eating the guts of their prey so they're actually yeah. ingesting it and and i think that that sometimes when they go crazy for it when you take them out in a forest or something it's because they aren't getting little bits of it every day every day right? yeah so they're, they're just going it's to almost town. like oh we need this right you know we really need this um, at least that's what I say to myself on oh, my dog. It's like, well, this kind of just popped in my, like, I want a job cleaning the stalls. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that bad. Huh? <laughs> um, this is, this is a question that just popped in my head, but I have, I've had a few customers over the years tell me that their dogs eat their own poop. And yeah. Is that I'm a natural, gonna... is that a natural phenomenon? That's not right. No, no. No, that's, I'm actually doing, I don't even know who it is. I'm doing a, a lecture on it. And um, that's usually, that can be a couple of things that can be uh, a lack of digestive enzymes so that they intuitively know that the majority of their nutrition is actually not being uh, bioavailable. It's not yeah. being digested. So right. a lot of it is in their feces still. You'll notice that like with cat poop too, like, you know, the, the, well, we can get into that later, but the, the, um, um, and all, and it's, it's either that, that they're, that they're seeking something that they're not getting. Right. right? And they know that it's, it, it's still, it, it lives in, in their feces, right? right. They, they, they understand that. Um, the other thing is it, it can be very mentalized. It can be a, it can be an emotional thing. I've seen a lot of dogs that have lived in crates, mm-hmm. you know, lived in crates or done too much crate training or have grown up in puppy mills and things like that yeah. because they don't have the space, right? Uh-huh. They don't have the space. So they start to eat their own feces because they don't want to live in their feces or their mother eats their feces uh-huh. for too long of a period of time, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you know, mothers naturally do that when they're in their nesting boxes and uh-huh. stuff that mothers do, but they're not supposed to be doing it when they're eight weeks old, right? right? Like when they're eight weeks old, they should be out and about and learning where to poop where they're supposed right. to be pooping, which is away from their food and away from where they sleep. Right. But if they're in 
they're in crates or in, in nursing boxes too long and things like that. They're they're watching their mama eat feces. Okay. Right. So there's a lot of different reasons for it. I gotcha. That's good mm-hmm. to know because I have that that question comes up every so often. Yeah. So. And and cat feces, it's it's the it's a big one uh, too. Yeah. It's a totally can be a totally different thing because the dry cat food often has something called food enhancers in it. So oh, yeah. flavor enhancers, mm-hmm. which is like going to McDonald's or going to something that has like massive chemicals that become make your body instantly and hormonally, scientifically like MS- done MSG that, that you want that all the time, right? It's 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 like a it's like a addiction, right? Quite quite. quite literally and um that that food enhancer isn't absorbed or digested and it actually goes into the cat feces okay when dogs smell it or are near it then they yeah it goes right if we change the cat's diet we might be able to fix that oh yeah often yeah often it does fix it yeah Yeah. i am a research nerd yeah i mean nature i'm i'm a nature child for sure um, but I, 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 I really am a research nerd and a lot of the research that I, I do is what takes me back to my, to my really grounded roots in nature, right. Is what I, what I see through, through research. Oh, okay. So, um, the, the research behind, let's just talk about probiotics for a second. I mean, did we talk, did we talk about what prebiotics were? We we've talked about it. We didn't really we didn't really spend much time on it though. We kind of talked about yeah, they're just um, you know what we talked about it with was with the um, you were talking about the your friend who's a scientist that spent time with the oldest living people in the world and how he um, I think this is what kind of you were alluding to is that he you know he did the fecal transplant when he was there and it but it when he left it didn't hang around too long because he wasn't able to eat the foods to keep that bacteria thriving in his gut. Yeah. Which is yeah. kind of like prebiotics. Was that what prebiotics? He wasn't were? my friend. He was a scientist that I oh, was. Okay. I wish he was my friend. <laughs> yeah. right. but, um, but um, yeah. Okay. So, so let's just quickly talk about what prebiotics do. Prebiotics are the food that keep um, the probiotics surviving. So they eat. So I always call it sort of like the fertilizer yeah. for planting planting the bacteria but um you know historically we use from a from a you know formulator pre and probiotic perspective we use very um things that are like you know uh, uh fructose and and fos and you know uh maltodextrin and all of these things that yes they they provide they provide energy and food for the bacteria but they have no functionality right they're just sugars they're just complex sugars right you're saying they use this in like conventional like pre and probiotic or prebiotics yeah biotics yeah yeah so you know and it was it's a you know it's a it's a good it's a good food source. It's a good um, it's a good way for them to live, but it's very unnatural. It's it's like it's like, you know, it's like either eating eating well 
or taking taking like a like a protein bar you know like like it's going to protein bar is going to give you protein and it's going to it's going to it's going to lack that live food functionality so i'm not i'm not dissing it i'm just explaining the difference so for me i was never i'm not one to add something to anything whether it's my food whether it's my animals food whether it's my formulations it doesn't matter that isn't if i can find something i'm like a dog on a bone that if i can find something to put in a product or to put into my dog or to put in myself that has functional medicinal value in comparison to grabbing a protein bar or you know that's the way i go that's the way i live so um when i was formulating stuff at my practice and a hospital, I I started looking at it and going, this is like sugar, right? Like how would, wh- what would they be getting? How would they be getting prebiotics in the wild? You know, they're not, they're not running around eating maltodextrin, right. you know? So um, what I realized is that they're getting ma- the majority of what they, they get from a prebiotic is through the gut, the fermented foods in the gut of their prey, right? That's, that mm-hmm. is how they, predominantly get the correct prebiotics okay so i thought okay well i can't i can't yes i can give fermented foods and things like that but i need something that is like really like how much fermented food do i actually have to give that has the fiber perspective of it that produces the complex um carbohydrates that 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 feed them especially when i was putting 30 billion colony farming units in in their gut so I thought, okay, well, what is in, what is, what do they eat? So they eat, they eat deer, they eat squirrels, they eat rats, they eat mice, they eat groundhogs, they eat raccoons, they eat whatever. So I tried to look at what do all those animals have in common that they eat together? And I mean, this is a fast version of it. Yeah. It took me a long time, but they all ate bark, mm-hmm. bark off of trees. Right. So I started researching more and that's when I chose to use larch. Right. which it comes from from a tree so and it has lots of studies to show it's you know you know you know proactive uh support for cancer it has um you know immune modulation it has all kinds of different things it has it's a re- very good functional prebiotic but it's expensive right sure it's much more like i don't even know like 10 15 times what fos is and stuff right so so but you know i'm 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 pretty picky i don't i don't i would never feed my animals or feed my patients something that i wouldn't feed myself or do for myself so that's what i made all my products in my clinic with was was large so like from the prebiotic perspective so that's what prebiotics are and that's what they do and and i think we talked about leaky gut what's what's important to know is that when animals are born or we're born with our native bacteria did we talk about native bacteria and and how they need to eat no we didn't talk about that all right so so we have native bacteria and we have in animals and we have um transient bacteria so we're born with native our native bacteria and it stays in our gut and it lives there and it's what we were born with but what so if if you think of like new york or you think of a big city and people from the suburbs are coming in think of those as sort of the transient bacteria and the people that live there are your native bacteria 
those transient bacteria are really, really, really helpful for the economy and everything of that city. Right. So, but they eat, they have to eat. Yeah. So if we're feeding a ton of prebiotic probiotics and we're not feeding enough prebiotic, what can happen is that the transient are consuming a large portion of that, of that food. I see. And the native ones start to starve. So instead of starving, they start to eat the gut lining. Oh. So they can actually, it can actually cause, that's what I call the overcultured canine. Okay. You know, the, the gut is not something you just throw stuff in and hope for the best, right? Like yeah. it is, it is a, it is a complicated, um, uh, universe yeah. that, that, it is is so much more than we'll ever know probably in my lifetime that's for darn sure yeah um so anyways we have to make sure that we're using enough um prebiotics or feeding enough prebiotics to support the amount of probiotics that we're getting or the amount of amount of bacteria hence going back to that scientist he had the he was inoculated with probably the most profoundly healthy bacteria in -hmm. the world Mm -hmm. but it didn't maintain because he wasn't getting the the right prebiotics or the right kinds of things in order to maintain them yeah so it it, it's vital it's it's not just all prebiotics whatever so i started doing really digging into prebiotics about five years ago like my own because i was purchasing large and I loved it and I found great results with it, amazing results with it. But I was like, there's gotta be more, right? There's gotta be a gazillion different ways of figuring out prebiotics. So sure. I started researching what the probiotic with the micro are the the microbiologists and stuff that that we use and that I work with. Um uh I started working with them to do research on prebiotics. Okay. And and we started studying turkey tail as a prebiotic. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, turkey tail. Yeah, turkey tail and chlorella. So, okay. uh which is from the sea. Oh, that's so, the soil and is that in the soil in the sea? In the sea. Where's which yeah. one's the turkey tail in? Uh wolf. Oh, that's a prebiotic in the wolf. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly professional team and offer conventional medicine dentistry, and surgery, as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614-888-2100. For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. In order to give your pets the very best, you need to feed them a complete and balanced diet like Northwest Naturals. Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets. Find out more in our podcast show notes. So, so, and the reason that we did that was because to me it matched. It just, that was the synergy. So it's like, okay, if a wolf... I know for a fact, because I have my own medicinal mushroom forest, I know what goes in and eats our turkey tail, right? There's squirrels or deer, like they go in, like wolves might not be eating it, but their prey eats it big time. And and so it's like, okay, cool. So let's take a look at this, because look at the benefits that turkey tail has, right? Like, Talk about functionality. I mean, 
Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. Let's let's look at this. So it turned out to be unbelievable as as a as a prebiotic. Yeah. Like we said, we did the research and it was able to colonize and feed and do everything that we even ever imagined it to be. So we have um, started making our own prebiotic made from turkey tail. And then chlorella is an organism from the from water, right? Mm-hmm. So it has all kinds of incredible uh, functional uh, uh, benefits as well, like immune, like for immunity and uh, cell regeneration, and the list just goes on and on and on. So what I did is I combined, I I, I started looking at sort of ancestral stuff. So wolf and turkey tail made total sense. Yeah. But th- that would be actually happening in the wild. And then I have a soil-based probiotic now, which is made from the ground, like the, mm. the bacteria from the dirt, right? From, right. from, so from organic, actual ancient soil. So not, not what we call dirt right now. Yeah. Um, so there's soil-based bacterias and then i took the corella did the research on the corella and mixed it because they're ones from the sea mm-hmm. and ones from land okay. very very different physiology uh-huh. in comparison to poop and something that lives in a forest yeah right it, it has that it has a similar synergy but awesome. opposite but at one time in the world the whole all of our soil was what had water on it right right it was it was the ocean right and a lot of the depletion of our soil is because we we've we've lost them that mineral content right right from constantly turning the soils and 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 exposing the soil to oxygen so so that was the philosophy between those two products okay and, and the formulation of those two products or the birthing of those two products so so both of those are very, very, very strong functional prebiotics, but they have, you know, like I said, they have that functional medicinal value. We're not just giving sugar right. to, to feed the probiotics. So <clears throat> that's prebiotics. Now, probiotics are, and I had to do that research to find out. So yes, there's my sciency part of it, yeah. right? I couldn't just assume, okay, well, they're going to make a good prebiotic. I yeah. needed to understand how in and what amounts and how, you know, what had to understand that whole thing because I'm I'm taking these formulas and giving them to the public and going, you know, and we're like, well, I think, you know, yeah. sure, it was my hypothesis to begin with, but I had to make sure that that hypothesis was in fact correct. So that was about, that was what I've been doing for like the last five years with this company have you have you played around with any other prebiotics no those are the first two functional prebiotics that i and i don't know of any other in the world there is no other you know commercialized uh prebiotic turkey tail or or chlorella so yeah we were the we were the sort of at the forefront of that so so when it came to species oriented have we talked about species oriented no No. okay so i did a lecture for a veterinary university on gut health and at the end this really brilliant young veterinarian said to me um you know i i've i've been following stuff like this for a very long time because my mother 
shares your philosophy on gut health. But I have a question. Is it true that we use the same probiotics for all of our all of our veterinary patients or all of, for animals as we do for people? And I said, yes, we do. And she said, well, wouldn't it make sense if we were using this the bacteria that came from that species? And I said, a hundred percent. And she said, well, why don't we? And this was like years ago, right? Yeah. And she said, well, why don't, why don't we? And I said, because no one's done it. So yeah. I was driving home from PEI and I was like, oh boy, there goes my roof. There goes my truck tires. There goes this, there goes yeah. that. <laughs> and then I was able to connect with this, this, this lab that was starting to look at that research. And I've been with them for since then um, and, and delving into that. So what from the science perspective so what species specific probiotics are is probiotics that's made from the feces you know when you were talking with ian billinghurst about you know fecal material and stuff yeah made from the feces of the of that species that you're going to feed it to so cat feces for cats right. dog feces for dog uh -huh. wolf feces for the ancestral perspective of a dog, you know, that horse, the horse probiotic is made from horses, like from yeah. horse manure. So when that was happening, the science that had to go behind that was the first and foremost, that was the most interesting is nobody had ever done a study to see does the probiotics that we use live in the acidity of a dog's gut. Yeah, it seems right. like such a crazy thing that they never looked into it at this point. Now, kind of knowing, following you for a while and, and you know, kind of learning about species-appropriate probiotics. But it's crazy that this is like a a newer concept, I guess. Well, yeah. Well, because... It seems so simple. Lot, it's kind of weird. We test on animals, which is horrible. Mm -hmm. But we don't... The majority of what we do for animals is like stuff that we've 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 first looked at with for people right right so um i think that that when like when especially when it comes to supplements and things like that so i'm just looking at the time too so so i'm gonna um so what happened was we didn't know do they make like we know the acidity of a dog's gut compared to a cow which is a lot of probiotic in our, in our probiotics very different totally different sides of the scale when it comes to ph Right. So one of the first studies was, do these probiotics actually stay viable? And that's why I started using 30 billion colony forming units, yeah. because I was concerned about that before. People were using a billion, you know, 10 million back in like, like in the early, the late 90s, right? Most, most I've seen I, today don't even have a billion. Yeah. I mean, well, I was using 30 billion I know. because yeah. I was concerned. We have to make sure, because I don't know. I, there was no studies to show if it maintained its viability, right? right? I was using high amounts. Right. So, um, but I always had that question. So when I saw that that was the research that was happening, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so super cool. So that was the first thing that, that we saw was that a dog's, this probiotic, they, they took the feces, they isolated 11 strains, from those 11 strains, they started to do the, the research of what did they actually, you know, how did they perform, mm -hmm. right, from a, from a health perspective. And then really took the, the top three that were really, really, you know, 
high in all the categories that that that, were, that that are sought out and then started delving into that even more so first thing is yes they they mean that maintained their viability and the acidity of the dog's gut the second thing was they reached the area of the gut where it needed to go and colonize that's where we want we wanted to go down there and that's where it went okay so um then it started going into pretty in-depth stuff what does it do as far as bacteria so how did it respond to e coli salmonella and clostridium and i was so excited about that because that are those are the three pathogens that vets are so afraid oh if your dog eats raw food they are going to get these three horrible pathogenic bacteria of course these bacterias were able to suppress maintain reorganize and control that path and i'm not going to say destroy because it yeah. does we don't want them to destroy right. like willinghurst talks about right? right and i was like well of course of course it does that because yeah. if it didn't do that they wouldn't have evolved right this is so fascinating they have to have that mech that bacteria has to have that mechanism right. or else it wouldn't have evolved so then we started looking at immune modulation and anti-inflammatory responses and all that kind of stuff. And the immune modulation piece is vital for your listeners to understand. So when we look at uh, the diseases that dogs are getting and cats and people are getting right now, chronic diseases, and the majority of them are immune mediated or autoimmune, mm-hmm. which is where your body has been finally gone. Okay, I've had enough. It doesn't know what to kill, what not to kill, what to respond to, what not to respond to. It is like running around like a just craziness, right? And it it winds up just killing a healthy cell and then just starting to destroy its own self, its is own it, body. Is it because it's just constantly constantly in motion? I, like it's constantly I think overactivated? It's an overreactive state. Like when we talked okay. about the 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 things going the particles going into the bloodstream that shouldn't be there oh. the body finally goes i don't know how to deal with this yeah so i'm going to start killing everything i see right yeah like i'm i'm <laughs> just gotta like go in with the big guns and yeah. whatever's and there we're gonna destroy anything and everything yep exactly so you. it becomes this autoimmune autoimmune response so what animals and people go on are immune suppressive drugs mm-hmm. right prednisone, uh, atopica, um, venectopea, all, all of these things that that suppress the immune system in order to save people's lives, in order to stop the, the, the consumption of the body destroying itself. Right. But that comes with a whole raft of really horrible side effects right but being being patient with with you know doctors and veterinarians and stuff what other they don't have anything else in their toolbox they can't allow the body to continue to destroy itself they have to try to stop the immune system so or suppress the immune system but it trashes the kidneys it trashes the liver and then what it does is it makes the body more more susceptible to infection so then you have to go on antibiotics with this drug right because you're getting secondary staph infections when they're itching their skin because they don't have the immune response to then just deal with the topical bacteria because they have no immune system because their immune system is being suppressed so then what happens is you go on that merry-go-round because then the antibiotics 
are killing the gut bacteria. And it's just like one after another after another. But one of the worst things is, is the rebound effect. So if you think of a steroid and you think of a hole, like think, think of a hole in a pipe and that water's shooting out of that hole. And you're like, okay, we have to stop this immediately. We don't have time to put a new pipe in or we can't move, put a new pipe in. Um, we're going to wrap it with duct tape. So in that moment, it's like the dog stops itching the over or the, the diarrhea stops and inflammatory bowel disease. It looks like it's been, it's been cured. It looks like, like it's finally got some relief underneath that tape. That hole's getting bigger. It's not staying the same site. You haven't, you haven't, you haven't dealt with the root reason why there's a hole in the pipe. And then eventually that tape comes off. Mm -hmm. So eventually you have to take them off of the drug, right? You have to wean them off of the drug or the tape has to come off. Right. When that does, that water shoots out exponentially worse than it did before. Or if you think about it pushing the immune system like this, push, 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 Mm -hmm. it comes off. And it just goes wham right. to the other side. It has a rebound effect. Right. And then it's like, oh my gosh, it's ten times worse. The 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 allergies that we had before are now worse. Like it's just it's 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 horrible. And and again, like I said, it's 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 in their toolbox. It's what they're supposed to be doing. So this isn't a trash on what's happening, but it's a fact of what is happening. Sure. So so then what happens is when you hear the word immune modulation, that is what the body's supposed to be able to do. It's natural homeostasis. So you want to be giving things when your animal or your body is in that state, you don't want to be giving things like echinacea. You don't want to be giving things that boost your immune system. Your immune system's already whacked out too high, right? You want to be, you want to be giving things that modulate or, or, Tell the body, okay, hold on. If it goes too high, you want to bring it down. If it goes too low, you want to bring it up. You want an immune modulator. Yeah. So these bacteria immune modulate. Oh, wow. Actually do that. They help with the immune modulation. So the wolf and all of the species oriented, this is why like, I geek out on the science part of it. Right. It's like, oh, my gosh, look at this. Well, of course it did. Because who's giving wolves and who's giving wolves antibiotics when they get cut in the wild? Who's giving wolves flagell when they drink from a pond and get, you know, jardia? Who's giving wolves all of this stuff? Nobody. Right. They've got to be able to have the ability to, to, to strengthen that immune system when it needs to and decrease it when it needs to, because that's what our bodies naturally do. So it, it, the, the, the fact that it does things like that and it, 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 it creates short chain fatty acids. It's so we have all of this science backing what these probiotics do. Do, do are probiotics the only thing that will kind of modulate the immune system like that? Turkey tail modulates the oh, immune system. Oh, turkey tail system. does, okay. Large helps to, immune, helps to modulate the immune system. There are other things that are immune modulators. Okay. But from a bacteria point of view, it's very interesting because this is where I'm going to get into postbiotics, right? Okay. So what post, you can't feed postbiotics. You can't give postbiotics. And the only reason we know what postbiotics are is because we are doing research on pre and probiotics. 
So, you know, you probably get sick of me talking about how cool it is when you find the synergy of nature, right? So when you, when, when plants work together, when, when, when things in nature work together, it, the outcome is profound. So, so to me, postbiotics are the effect of the correct pre and probiotic together. They aren't fed. They are the outcome of that. They are the health benefits that like we're, our probiotics are one of the only probiotics that can actually legally say that they have some health benefits, right? Because, because we've proven some of the health benefits that, 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 that actually can happen historically and empirically. And I have to say this for anyone that's watching, we know that regular probiotics and regular strains of probiotics that aren't species oriented help. How do we know? Empirically, we see them. I 27 years of working with different, like I handpicked those strains though. Yeah. I looked at what do I see in that? What do I see coming into the clinic that animals need help with? And then I handpicked those 14 strains because they addressed, they helped to address in humans those particular diseases or pathologies or physiology. So, so we know that they work, but I wanted to dig into what's the difference and how do we see the difference when we're actually using the, the DNA or the epidemiology of the species specific. And then, so this is what we're seeing. So we're seeing, we're able, if you, if you haven't done if you haven't done the research yourself, you won't know what the postbiotic effects are because that's how you find find out what the postbiotics are, right. the effect of your pre and probiotics working together. And it's expensive, right? It's crazy expensive, but it's for me, it's it, it I, I can't do it any other way. I, I want to know and I want to understand and I want to dig into it even more. So when we did that, and we started doing dog feces and cat feces and horse feces and things like that. I I wanted to dig into well, why does it make why are wolves living to 15, 16, 17 years of age and they're anywhere between, you know, 90 to 150 pounds. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, right? how many big dogs in our world don't make it till 7 or 8, you know. Exactly. So what's what's happening? So when I when I started looking at that, it's like I want in in this research that is, I've been following for years and years and years and years of the scientists that we talked about before. It's like how come? Why is that? Blah blah blah. So when you so we took it from wild wolves, not captive wolves. Uh, so and we took it from wolves that that were a, were a, a very old group of wolves or pack of wolves. So those wolves have ha- wolves haven't had antibiotics and flea medications and vaccinations and processed food and things like that. They've had to endure, and they have had to be phenomenally resilient, right? So we talk. I often talk to the scientists with this about the about the fingerprint of probiotics. I'm super. You know, I'm super curious though. Before I forget. How did you get the, like, how did you actually, was it from wolf feces that this yeah. was extracted from? Okay. Collected from this particular pack of wolves. So you were, you weren't on a helicopter darting wolves from. Oh my above. gosh. No, no, no. <laughs> I can't see you doing that. 
No, these are people going out into the wilderness yeah. and watching this particular pack um, in in uh, Western Canada okay. and collecting feces from from those wolves. Okay, very so, cool. So, um, you know, knowing that they're they're very they're in virgin territory, they're not having to deal with like subdivisions and the invasion of and whatever but wolves have been hunted and treated horribly for a very very long time so you know their stress levels are different stress levels but their stress levels are creating resilience and and they're very resilient they're brilliant animals but they're also really loving animals and they're very adaptable and they're very they're very they're fascinating creatures they're fascinating fascinating I've, I've loved wolves ever since I was a little kid. Me too. So um, there's a very so, interesting article that just came out, uh, the Interceptor from. Uh, did you ever see Kingdom of the White Wolves? Did you ever watch that? Mm-hmm. So that Donovan, I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm struggling his, with names, but I yeah, I can't remember I his first it. name, but his last name's Donovan. He just uh, did some photography work for this article that this guy wrote about the uh, the ranger that was in charge of that reintroduction into Yellowstone. He's actually Ohio. He's from here. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, he's an Ohio boy. Um, but he just retired, and so he just had a lot of stuff, I think, just to kind of get off his chest. It's a very interesting article, though. But anyways. Can you send it to me? I, guess. I will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, I use that explanation of – I compare uh, Yellowstone Park to the gut all the time. And when oh, really? I lectured in Chicago, like, six years ago, because, you know, someone – some biologist, some scientist, somebody that thought they knew better – decided to remove the gray wolf yeah right from mm-hmm. that environment and I look at that as removing e coli yeah removing removing the bacteria like you know okay we have to eradicate this species that being predatorial wolf. bacteria yeah yes yeah so instead of predatorial wolves it's predatorial bacteria right. and it come almost you know Yellowstone almost turned into a natural disaster sure. and to this brilliant person was like, whoa, okay, here's here's what happened. You know, the wolf wasn't there, so the elk got out of control. The elk was eating too high. The deer started starving. Yeah. The beavers couldn't get the 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 dams started break. They couldn't have dams. The birds started like literally destroyed one species, destroyed an entire environment. I've seen it in my lifetime. I used to go. We I've been going to Yellowstone since I was a kid. And so just seeing it over my lifespan, I've seen it change myself. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's just, it just, it's mind blowing. Right. So anyways, we are so proud of our sponsor today. Our friends at Steve's real food who helped make the fangs and fur podcast come true. Anthony, what do you like best about Steve's? Their whole food ingredients. They don't use any synthetics and it's real simple. When they come into Fangs and Fur, I'll always pull out a box of Steve's Real Food and I'll show them what's in their food. So come into our shop to learn more about Steve's from Anthony or visit stevesrealfood.com. All right, all right. So how did how did GGR, Girls Gone Raw Pet Health, get started? Well, you know, I'd spent my whole life watching our dogs suffer from chronic yeast infections, arthritis, GI issues, and cancer. And after finishing my veterinary science degree and working in the pet food industry for a while, I was exhausted by all of the BS and misinformation being fed to pets and pet owners and decided to take a stand on it. My mission from the beginning has been to be transparent, provide reliable nutrition education, and only use ingredients that actually benefit our pet carnivores. That's amazing because it's, it's really hard to sort out the good from the, the sketchy in the pet food realm. Pet owners just want to do what's what's best for their animals. Yeah. 
And that's exactly why we use our social platforms to educate rather than advertise. And we work with amazing health-focused independent retailers like yourself all over the country. We want to help pet owners feel confident about what they're giving their pets and empower them to boost their pet's health and longevity to its full potential. So get fresh and go raw with us. Follow us on social media at Girls Gone Raw Pet Health or check us out online at girlsgonerawpet.com to see our small batch dehydrated treats and chews and to get tips on how you can improve your pet's health naturally. Um, I've been working a lot and finding really cool and we're putting together some stuff and actually the, 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 the scientists and stuff that I work with, they've hired some more to delve into it a little bit more because when we came out with this wolf one, I was, I was excited to go, how is this going to affect dogs emotionally? I was pretty sure I knew how it was going to affect them physiologically and through gut health and through their their you know you know diseases and stuff like that because we're we're like even with fecal transplants we're still transplanting um you know feces from dogs that have been urbanized right right this is this is these are this is fecal from nothing that's been touched that way in any shape or form and we you know I, i i get into this crazy you know space of like you know do you think it's going to be able to educate the brain in in understanding that community that they live in understanding not to be so fearful not to be so anxious not to be so like to just like you know like i wonder if it's going to do that you know i was having all these conversations oh my gosh like three weeks after we launched it we got this email from this woman who's a trainer and she had this dog that I don't know was traumatized somehow. Wouldn't eat. Mm-hmm. Was afraid to eat, right? Wow. And they did everything. They did. They did. They did like antidepressants, anti-anxiety. Like they had to. This dog wasn't eating, and right. then became extremely bowl aggressive. Wouldn't wouldn't eat the food, but wouldn't let anything else get, including people, get near its food. Like really, really something horrible from a you know post-traumatic shock thing happened to this poor dog anyways she started trying it because she heard my lecture about my my hope that we're going to start seeing some some profound emotional stuff with this i mean i can't guarantee it we haven't done the science yet we're starting to now but but you know it was my hope it was my idea it was my thought it was my intention and uh um she said that she start she heard that lecture she started this dog on it they didn't do anything different nothing they didn't change one single thing and within three weeks of starting it this dog started eating on its own and there was no other change wow none and when i thought about it it's like it's the core of their survival right yeah like they it, it, it's it's the basic it's bringing you right back sure. to to basics so you know can we can we tell why exactly that happened but no but now we're doing the research why yeah because it's like okay there it is i knew it i knew it i knew it we we gotta really start you know pouring a whole bunch of money in and trying to figure this out and doing this like how how are we going to do this how are we going to figure this out but it 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 is um you know i we talk about gut health how it attributes to um how it attributes to just mental health all the time and the communication between the gut and the brain, just, just on food, not even touching bacteria yet. 
Um, that's probably a whole other like, topic. The, but... the, gut, the gut brain access yeah. is a very old science. Like yeah. that came from a brilliant PhD that dealt with pediatric, um, you know, autism and ADHD and whatever. And she mm-hmm. developed like, like she developed the gap diet and things like she, there's tons of science on the gut brain access Yeah, with mood hormones. We know that like, yeah. so that's why I was excited about this, but we, we haven't, we, now what we're going to do is exactly what is it doing? Like right. I want to try to figure out, does it really matter? No, but I would really like to try and be like, okay, does it, is it, is it stimulating certain hormones? Is it that, that isn't stimulated, right? Because they don't have sex glands, mm-hmm. right? Dogs don't have sex glands. So, so we're most of them, yeah, right? Because we're spaying and neutering them. So we're not getting those, those sex hormones. Well, what are those sex hormones doing to the brain? What it, you know, like, oh yeah, it, it, it's so fascinating so while I'm really fascinated about the research, I am equally on the other side of we can't compartmentalize it. So there's no way in heck I'm going to be like, okay, well, this strain of probiotic does this. So yeah. use it for that. That's right. not what I'm going to do. It's like this encompassing cosmos of that it knows what to do. It okay. doesn't It doesn't need, I don't need to be able to go do this for this, do this for this, do this for this. That's not what I want to do. I want to be like, well, of course, that's what it's doing. I see. But it's also doing this. Right. It's also doing that. You know, like it's not just for this. Yeah, I see. I have a, uh, this makes me think this is a, we have a border collie that comes into the shop that they just found that it was, he was really dog aggressive and didn't really care for humans either. And they started supplementing this dog with zinc. And this dog like can't get enough of me. He comes in, I mean, completely, almost unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's not a, it's not a bacteria we're talking about, but it's still just a. But don't forget, bacteria is responsible for creating that from your food. So what you just touched on right now, again, yeah. like we could spend five hours talking about this. Yeah. Because every time you tell me something, it's like, that's true. Yeah. Supplement this dog was saying because we're not getting the the we aren't getting the minerals that we need from our food. Mm-hmm. Our food is so depleted yeah. that we aren't getting that. But the other thing, the postbiotic effect of or part of the effect of of the proper bacteria is to take food and turn it into our vitamins. Oh, I see. Yeah. Right. Right? right. It's like it's like that is one of the things that it does. That's one of its responsibilities. Yeah. So if you don't have the right gut bacteria. You could be eating, ca- eating carrots. You could be eating 50 pounds of carrots a day and you're not going to get the beta carotene. Right. That those carrots can give because you don't have what it takes to to transform that into right to the metabolites to create that. Right. right? To, to, yeah. to do to, to perform that metabolic function that, yeah. that, that does that. So it, you know, it's awesome that that dog is doing well, but I would, I would still be like, why isn't he able to, why isn't he able to metabolize zinc? What What's going right. on even deeper? That's what I'm, I was just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, keep giving it. Oh my goodness. If it's helping, yeah. poof, it's 
especially with something like that, because yeah. the quality of that dog's life just instantly changed. Mm-hmm. It can be around people. It can be social. It can do all of that stuff, right? Where it probably couldn't before. Yeah. So don't, don't change that. Don't stop that. But don't, don't, don't look like, don't just use it as a bandaid. Right. Dig in more because if it's not being able to metabolize zinc, there could be other stuff that's going on that's going to make that dog sick in a different way, sure. you know, modulation or whatever, right? right? You might have this friendly dog that winds up with Cushing's. You might have this friendly dog then that winds up with, you know, as it gets older, you know, geriatric cognitive disorder way before it's time. Yeah. Oh, things like that. That's very interesting. So you're saying like I'm possibly just introducing a more robust or a more variety of, of Korean probiotics into this dog's diet could simply help him metabolize the zinc, which would then wouldn't need the zinc supplementation. Yeah. And would and, kind of contribute to that whole cosmos and, and helping him. And and also try and prevent or be proactive about other different diseases, right? Like right. to me, like oh, Something doesn't just not metabolize zinc. Doesn't right. just all of a sudden go. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna absorb zinc. There's a reason why it's There's not absorbing. It. Yeah. Not getting enough zinc could literally be because its food is deficient in zinc. Right. Like well, there's that too, and it's a border collie, and it's got a really brilliant mind, and it's overreactive, and it's like it, like they're they're it, it's not getting enough um, stimulation. Right. Like there's a million different reasons that could have had a rabies vaccination and had had a really severe reaction to the rabies vaccination, which those breeds do. Right. Like they're they're even more susceptible to to having to having contraindications from the rabies vaccine. Yeah. My Aussies, one of them. Aussies, uh, Rottweilers, um, um, well, any dog, really. Yeah. But but the hyper, very, very hurdy hyper vigilant dogs yeah he was never he we he was raised in seattle we lived right next to the space needle didn't care about fireworks didn't care about thunderstorms anything like that and then we got uh we moved to california and got um the vet there told me that the police will actually come knock on the door to check Mm -hmm. for vaccine status and i believed her and i got that i got him i got him the rabies shot and it was never the same sense terrified Thunderstorms, fireworks. Still have that dog? Yeah, he's twelve. He's doing our, He's doing great, actually. It's just the, you know, managing that, you know, because I, I worry about his stress level. Because the stress level, I mean, it's it's the constant, uncontrollable shaking, the bug eye, the panting, the the uh, pacing back and forth. Just can't get comfortable. Yeah. So there is homeopathic remedies for that, right? Specifically for the rabies vaccine. The uh, rebounder. No, a different, a different one. We can one. talk about it later. Okay. I can tell you about it later, but yeah, but um, yeah, like, like to me, to me, there's there's an underlying thing for everything, right? And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't. You don't have to be a lab rat. Like that's the other thing at my clinic. It was like, I'm not gonna turn your dog or cat or whatever into a lab rat. We don't need to know that much. We just need to understand, you yeah. know, the, the basics. And if we have, if we have figured out that that zinc has 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 changed this dog's life, mm-hmm. we don't have to do any more tests. We know that there's a reason why. So, if we just back up a bit and go, 
hey, how do how does a dog metabolize zinc? You know, it it's not rocket science. Right. It's it that's where you know Ian and I have this this very you know synergistic minds of 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 how we think. It's like let's just work with keep giving the zinc, but let's just keep working with establishing and strengthening the the foundation of how he does metabolize zinc. Yeah. You know, see what happens. But and if we don't see what happens and he's still doing well on zinc, keep giving zinc. But then how do you know by doing that? what you have derailed on a completely different level that this dog isn't going to get that you would never have known unless you had a crystal ball. Yeah. Right? It's such an what? interesting approach though. I'm just, you know, it's very different than your conventional approach. We did that at my hospital all the time. Yeah. All the time. It's like, why don't we like, there's no sense, you know, financially for people, um, you know, invasive, you know, like being invasive with an animal, the stress levels, the fear that the, there's so many things that would, you know, that added to that when it's, when it's like, okay, well, we know this now, let's try this. Let's look, let, let's look at this. There's no harm done in doing it. And let's see, let's get, let's give it a month. Let's give it two months. Let's give it three months. See what happens. You're going to, you're going to see results. You know, right. you, I don't need an ultrasound to tell me that something's getting better when I can see it. You can see it anecdotally myself through yeah. every other through every other other dimension. Right. You know. Right. So, you know, it it is it is it's a different approach. It's a really different approach. I think that the approach that that I take and I took at my clinic and I did everything differently with everybody. Like if someone really needed to know, ultrasounds aren't that invasive. I'd be like, okay. Let's let let's do an ultrasound, and we would do the ultrasound, and we would see, and then that would give that person that peace of mind, that whatever. The next person was like, I don't really want, I don't have five hundred dollars to do an ultrasound or six hundred dollars to do an ultrasound. I'd rather spend six hundred dollars on food and you know blah 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 and right. see how it goes. Another person would be like, No, I don't, I don't need that. I can see myself. You know, my dog is able to run up the stairs now. He couldn't run up the stairs before. Yeah. My dog's not having diarrhea anymore. He doesn't right. have gerbil anymore. Right. I don't need to know this, you know? So I think part of that comes with the faith of understanding and truly believing that that the that the body, whether it's a dog, cat, horse, cow, it doesn't matter, has that innate ability to to bring itself back into homeostasis. And right. that that's a lot of faith, right? right. Right. And, and, and sort of blocking out the like fear-based medicine. Yeah. So saying that, I mean, I had a function I had a full integrated veterinary hospital. We did, you know, surgeries, we did x-rays, we did ultrasounds, we did everything. So, so I'm not saying we don't need to do that. You know, we, we, we do um, in many, many cases, but not to the thing where, where so many people would come to me and say, I don't have the money. I simply don't have the money. I've already spent $10,000. We do not, we have three kids. We don't have the money to do more tests. Right. And I, and then, you know, so some of, some of my, some of my philosophy and some of my, some of my core beliefs literally come from trying to navigate different people and different social economic social economics in Vancouver, where we had 
you know, the largest population of homeless people and the and the richest people yeah. in the world. It's quite a right? spe- it's quite a spectrum there. <laughs> Huge yeah. spectrum. Yeah. And I, you know, I had a pop up practice in the downtown east side. Yeah. For a long, long time when I went down and treated, you know, I'm not even supposed to say treated, worked with animals, you know, I would bring my vets and my techs and everybody would go down and we would, we would for free treat, treat the, the, the companion animals of, you know, that didn't have homes and, and there, there is no diagnostics down there. It's, it, it's your faith, right? You know, yes, let's see what happens. You know, let's let's do this. Let's see what happens. Let's do this. Let's see what happens. Two people coming and saying, either we're euthanizing my dog, we don't have the money anymore to right. put any more money into this. So I, I didn't. I wasn't just born believing in all of this stuff. You know, this is this has come from you know working with thousands of animals. Yeah. You know, and the support of really incredible veterinarians that that started seeing the results as well that were like wow this is this is this is this is amazing you know so 90 percent of how i feel and what i see comes from my experience and just working in that field for for such a long time and being able to having to not turn my backs on people yeah and and their animals right and yeah what almost seems like it might be uh in some people's cases, a better way to approach that problem, anyways, than to well, con- than to continuous that's the testing. Way I approach everything with my own animals now. Right. Yeah. Less is less is more for me. Less is more. Yeah. The right. under the understanding of of it, you see the the difference is, and I said I remember I said I would do a podcast with you too. Is like what's the difference between nutraceuticals and herbs and this and that and this? Sometimes you you. And, and, and the lifespan of an animal, you don't have, like, if you, if you came to me, as a, I'm a human homeopath. If you came to me and said, I've got really bad arthritis, blah, 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 right yeah. here, here, here. Yeah. And you're your age and you have this arthritis cause you ate crappy and, and university, but you played football and yeah. you've got all of these injuries. Right. Yeah. So I'd be like, okay, you're young, you're vital you're going to be able to, you know, your body's going to be able to do this. It might take you, might take you a year, you know, to feel better, like to yeah. feel really better rather than just giving you NSAIDs, uh-huh. you know, ibuprofen and things like that. Right. Um, let's do this because you have that time, you know, you've got the rest yeah. of your life. But when I would have a dog come into me that was eight years old and had that same issue, and the the life expectancy of that dog is maybe two or three more years, and I say a year to 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 get this really going. That's seven years. Like that's you know when you're looking at one year of a person and seven yeah. years of an animal. Yeah, you're not you're not you don't have that much time sometimes right. when when you're when you're being faced with this, or you have an animal that is literally ripping its skin off. Right. You know, it, it's in such distress. Yeah. So then I have to go, okay, steroids or a nutraceutical, uh-huh. right? This is Dr. Jim Carlson. We look forward to seeing you at Lifetime Pet Wellness Center. We have a friendly professional team and offer conventional medicine, dentistry, and surgery, as well as integrative options such as acupuncture, chiropractics, nutritional medicine, 
Chinese herbal medicine, homeopathy, and more. We emphasize fresh foods because you wouldn't want to eat processed food every day, right? Visit us at LifetimePetWellness.com, Instagram, or Facebook, or give us a call at 614-888-2100. Your dog or cat is a member of your family. You want the very best for each and every member of your family, and that extends right down to the food that they eat. For over 30 years, Northwest Naturals has been manufacturing the highest quality raw frozen pet foods in Portland, Oregon. For you, the pet owner, Northwest Naturals comes in convenient packaging, easy to open, easy to store, and easy to thaw and serve to your pets. Quality ingredients, food safety, and the highest standards for manufacturing practices are what make Northwest Naturals the best complete and balanced raw food for your pet. Find out more in our podcast show notes. So there are stages in which we approach the health of animals with adored beast and the protocols and stuff that I do that, that combine nutraceuticals and homeopathy to kickstart, right? To, because we don't have all of this time, right? We, we want to address things a little faster if we can in, in, in really chronically ill animals or animals that are really suffering. Let's just use, let's just, call it what it is an animal that's digging at their ears and scratching their bodies 24 seven is in a space of suffering. Right. So that's why there's mixed in the probiotics. The probiotics are doing their magic and the prebiotics are doing their magic, but in with some of those magic, natural magic things, we have nutraceuticals, which help to speed that process along to decrease suffering. You're talking like marshmallow root or? I'm talking more like um, N-acetylglucosamine. Oh, okay. Yes. Right? Things yeah. like that where they have structurized the, the natural molecules and okay. things. So like slippery elm and, and marshmallow root, those are herbs. Herbs, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, glutathione and L-glutamine and... Um, NSL glucosamine, things like that. Those are nutraceuticals. Gotcha. So those things are are things that 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 support the body. That for an animal whose whose cellular activity is so fast, that for me, quality of life is everything. Yeah. Animal, you know, I would. I would rather have my, my, I mean, I have, like I said, I have horses and rescue animals here that I will never be able to say I've cured them. Yeah. But you look at them and you wouldn't even know that they were sick. But if I rehome those horses, once I've rehabilitated them, I rehome them and they take them off that stuff. Yeah. Start to crash again. Yeah. So what you look at is like, okay, they need to live on this. They -hmm. need to live on this, you know? I'm the first person to say that, okay, so they're not cured. Right. They live on this, but it has zero side effects. Right. There is no contraindication of giving this to them. No, they're still living a good life. Yeah. A really good life. Really good life. Like a really, really good life. Yeah. This kind of goes back to what we talked about in the last podcast about just um, rotating through the pre and probiotics in the products and making sure that, you know, we talked, we talked a lot about like the kind of sick dogs, but also like our healthy dogs, like Juniper here who had the wolf this morning, actually. Um, you know, and just, I, you know, just making sure we're getting a good rotation of all those different um, pre and probiotics and getting those different postbiotic effects, you know? 
yeah, postbiotic, prebiotics. Yeah. Just keep thinking of, just keep going back and looking at um, the diversity of the ecosystem of Yellowstone Park. Yeah. You know, it's like the more you can, you know, you go from 14 strains to 16 strains to a dog strain to a wolf strain to a soil probiotic, which has yeah. no strains that are animal based. Yeah. To, turkey tail to chlorella to this to that you're 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 continually educating and that's the other thing that i wanted to say is like like what what dr billinghurst says it's like it's i've always said that pathogenic bacteria keeps us on our toes it, it it's what educates our gut yeah you know it's like when you get chickenpox it it educates your body to defend against chickenpox like a, so a memory you, yeah yeah, cellular memory. Mm -hmm. So when 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 we want to con continually destroy around us, sterilize our food, sterilize our hands, sterilize our dishes, sterilize whatever, we are we are we are making our our gut ignorant and and de-educated almost. Yeah. We're not we're not continuing. We're not keeping it like my mom was 93 when she died. She would do these crossword puzzles. I would look at it and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And she was sharp as a tack, my mom. My mom never had an off day when it came to her brain. And and it was like, that's what we're doing with our gut. We okay. have to keep our mind sharp. We have to keep our gut sharp. We can't keep our gut sharp if we remove everything that keeps it sharp. Right. And keeping, uh, just making sure it's, I said this a lot, I guess, but just keeping it diverse. I think a lot of people, Everything. when I, when we transition them to a, a whole food diet or, or raw food diet, um, we'll start with one protein and then their dog does so well that they don't want to switch proteins yeah. or they don't even want to switch brands. And I'm always like, I, you know, I'm always trying to get people to try different brands, try to, uh, different proteins. Same things happen. Same thing happens with your, with your products. Dude, uh, you know, with like the gut, the gut soothe is really popular. I have some dogs that like their, 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 their pet parents want to keep them on that same product forever because their stools are just so much better. Um, but I'm always trying to get them to do a rotation and they finally do, you know what I mean? And we see good yeah. effects with it, but yeah. 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 And it's easy, right? Like I, like, you know, when you were saying again about Dr. Billinghurst, it's like, I keep, I try to keep. Every all my products are really complicated from a perspective of how I've designed them. Mm -hmm. I've designed them based on nature. What what goes in them works together and makes and I can I can use less but more diversity of what I'm putting in it to make a more powerful effect. Right. right? So they're complicated from that perspective, but they're so simple to use. They're yes. so simple to use and you don't have to be afraid, oh my goodness, I'm gonna use the wrong one or how do I know which one to use or when do I know when to switch? Don't worry. Yeah. I worry. think I have, I have two, I have like a little Tupperware container in my refrigerator with all the dog stuff in it. And I have, uh, I have the wolf, the liver tonic and, um, healthy gut in there right now. And it just depends on the mood I'm in for what they're going to get that day. It's as, yeah. I guess, as simple as that, you know, you know, on that note, when we <laughs> yeah. talk about our gut sense, yeah, it is so much more powerful than than we understand. 
Yeah. Like our intuition or our gut sense can tell us everything. And I've been doing this thing now with stuff that I'm personally taking. Yeah. It's like, okay, what do I feel like? Like, what is, what, what is it? What intuitively, what is my gut? What's my gut sense? And then I just want, as soon as I reach for it, I take it right away. <laughs> I yeah. start second guessing myself, right? Yeah. Like, oh no, but maybe, oh, but today I've got to do this. And oh, yeah. this is, you know, ah, and like, whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, Julie, your gut sense was to grab that one. Just yeah. go with it. Just trust your gut. Yeah. But it took me, like, I've been doing this for about six months now. It took me, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough to believe that I had that gut sense, you know, of, of, of what I needed. And we do that. Like we are, when we talk about pet parents, right? Mm-hmm. We, we actually do. I actually have a lady that puts them out in front of her dog and I, and her dog goes to whatever. <laughs> I'm definitely trying dog. that now. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, but, I mean, you know what? Laughter is, 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 um, laughter and dreaming and that in that ethereal place is is it's a fun place to go and laughter is like what my mom used to say laughter is the best medicine right and it, and they've proven now that it actually yeah, is because of the it, hormones yeah. with of the hormones and yeah. stuff right and and she loves doing this it's so it, it it's a time when she actually it's it's a fun time she spends with her dog right yeah. Can I tell you scientifically? Yes, her dog knows which one in the in the packages that she needs. Right. I don't know. Who cares? Who cares? She's yeah. enjoying that fifteen minutes of her yeah. dog, and she's doing it that way, and it's working. And a dog's enjoying that. That's what I'm saying. You know what it's I mean? that interaction. It's, it's right. that connection. Right. She's okay. So well, you know, whatever. I say this it's, all the time. I, I think feeding feeding time for my dogs is a fun time for me. It's, I only feed my dogs once a day. Well, Juniper gets kind of, she gets fed twice a day, but um, I love it. I have fun with it. We use a My Pet Platter, so we kind of put things in different areas, and I like to watch them. Yeah, I like to watch them pick out what they like the most and the least, and I, it's very fascinating to me. I'm different, of course, but I think it can be, I think most people who have dogs will find it enjoyable, you know? Yeah, and I think the energy of, of, of that too i just did a, a lecture for a veterinary um for veterinarian actually that i knew a while ago on energy medicine and just just energetics right for for homeopathy oh, yeah. and um you know it, it's something that my naturopath told me like i don't know i guess five years now i was started taking some stuff and it was brutal what it tastes like it was oh. just like and yeah. she said, don't do that. You can't do that. Like, you can't be taking this stuff and going, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Cool, right? She's like, Julie, you, you, of anyone, you should be the one to know that you need to be looking at this and knowing what this is going to do for you. Right? Yeah. Like, whatever. And it, it's the same with your dog's food. You know, it's the yeah. energy that you're putting into it. It's the same with your kids. And our and our dogs are teaching us stuff, right? So people that are listening to this podcast, it's like, yeah, I'm always frustrated when I'm feeding my kids. They're screaming and they're running around. I'm tired. I just got back from work. And I hear this. Used mm-hmm. to hear this at practice all the time. That's why I was trying so hard to make it so not stressful for people, right? That are right. that are that don't have five minutes to even take a bath or drink a cup of tea, you know? Right. 
but it's the same, like the energy that you're putting into your dinner when you're making dinner for your children or you're getting ready. Like this is, you know, food is medicine. Yeah. Food is so, medicine. Say it all the time, actually. Um, yeah. Well, should we end it on that, on that note? <laughs> We're going to do more podcasts apparently, right? So I'm really excited about that. Um, but thank you so much for doing this. This, this has been a lot of fun for me. Um, I don't know. I've, I've interviewed, um, well now you a few times and, and Carol with my pet, my pet platter who we were just talking about. And it's just, it's very interesting to me that it's like the, the founders of these, these companies that I really like, they, I don't know you guys, it's just, it's, it's very, um, apparent that you guys don't sacrifice your values, um, for anything else. Um, and I don't know, I find that very respectable. Um, you know, when I talk about Carol, didn't want to, you know, get her product made overseas because she wanted it made here. Uh, make sure it's not toxic. You with, with the prebiotic wanting to use the larch um, instead of the, the fructose, um, the cheaper product. Um, so there's, there's these parallels and I've, I just, I don't know, I've, I've kind of been paying attention to that. And um, I don't know, I think it's, it, I think it's very respect, respectable. Um, Anyways, again, I appreciate you coming on here. I've had such a good time. Um, I hope I really, you know, I think, I think it's just people, you know, when your intention is, is true, when your intention's pure, I think you just attract people that have that same, that same, you know, your, it it, it could be in different, what, like hers is a pet platter, mine's this, whatever it is. Yours is, is educating, um, the public and having your store and, but it doesn't matter. It's the same, it's that same energy, that same, that same intention. And, and you wind up, you wind up sitting and talking to people that, uh, we're, we're, I always say we have to support each other. Right. And, and when you can connect with someone where you're, where your values are very similar, you can move mountains, you know, you, you can really, you, it, it, it's a profound, you can make a profound difference in people's lives and animals lives. And I think that's why we're all here because we want to make a difference. Yeah. It took me like 30 years to figure that to figure that out. But, um, yeah, when I, when I went to the dogs naturally summit and I met you and, and Carol and everyone else, and I was just like, now I'm here and, and interviewing you guys on a podcast and it's just, um, I was drawn into that energy from that, you know, from the very beginning. I was like, this is, this is something I want to be a part of. And so, um, I couldn't be more happy with being a part of it as I have June chewing on my hand right now. I know I saw <laughs> Look at this. I'm trying to bring her into the screen. She's attached to my hand right now. <laughs> at least she has, she has her adult teeth. So at least they're not, you know, the sharp little puppy teeth anymore still pretty sharp anyways um thank you so much yeah thank you it's just been a joy for me yeah well you're amazing and i'm i'm um again i'm just like i'm so thrilled my wife is probably sick of me talking about this whole podcast but um yeah it's been a dream having you on here and um to say the least and uh, i look forward to doing more with you there's so much to learn from you so it's like where do we stop you know and say hi to ian and rob for me Will do. Okay. Will do. Appreciate it. Okay, Thanks, Julie. Bye.
So if you have a question that you want us to answer on our next podcast, you can find us a few different ways. You can send an email to danielle at fangsfur.com. You can find us on our website, fangsfur.com, or you can direct message us on Instagram at fangsandfurpets. The views and opinions on this podcast should not be used as an alternative to veterinary advice. We always encourage you to seek the professional advice of your vet. Before starting a raw diet, we encourage you to ask lots of questions, do your research, and speak with a qualified vet and or canine feline nutritionist.